Bruce Brothers Football Freaks 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 All right, welcome back to the Bruise Brothers, a power hour 2023, baby. Uh, welcome back, everybody. This is our first podcast since December of 2022 at the end of our fantasy regular season, year two of Super League. Uh, so we're in the off season right now. It is May, and I don't have my co-host, Ari, here. He is working, uh, I guess, during the middle of the week, uh, has a job, uh, doing working during working hours, doesn't have time to podcast. I don't know. I don't know what that's about, but I do have Crazy Uncle Al. What's up, Al? Feels good to be back, baby. Feels good to be back. I, you know, going to be a little rusty. I think you're going to have to grease my wheels a little bit, but grease uh, up. You know, happy to Happy to fill in. Um, you know, we all know Ari is a slave to the man, unfortunately. Um, as much as he likes to put on his rebellious persona, he's he's a corporate pawn. Um, and sometimes that gets in the way of a good podcast. Um, and so so here I am. Happy to be here. Well, we're, we're glad to have you. We're, it's 4.59 p.m. Eastern, so uh, maybe he'll sign off in the next minute, but... Uh, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, okay, so we have a bit to cover here. Uh, we're going to go through what happened in the playoffs. Everybody obviously knows that because if you're listening, you're probably in the league. But it's time to start thinking about this stuff again. We've had, a, we've had about four months off. Uh, so the playoff bracket, looking at it right now, we were, my team was the number one seed, had a bye. Uh, Carter and Sean, ATLVT. Number two seed had a bye. And then I don't remember the exact seeding, but you versus Link and Jeremy versus Nate and Don. Jeremy and Goose versus Nate and Don. Uh, you versus Link and Larry. You guys beat Link and Larry by 30 points round one. Nate and Don uh, thumped Jeremy by 20 points round one. And then that was, yeah, both were actually thumpings. I mean, yeah, a couple of thumps. Couple honestly. of thumps, big thumps. Then we had. Uh, Nate and Don, the two seed, uh, yeah, Nate and Don gets the two seed, ATLVT. Uh, they squeaked it out with an 11-point victory in round two, moved the championship. And then, ladies and gentlemen, me versus you, Al. Uh, and this, this really pains me to click yeah, into the box score. Do you want to do your little rant here? Because I feel like you've been kind of wanting to get this off your chest in public for a while now. Um, what you know, do you mean? I, uh, I've gotten a lot of private uh, conversations. Oh yeah, on, okay. On this particular matchup. Look, um, we wouldn't be telling the full story if we didn't put this out there. 
this was, I believe, on Christmas Eve. So, you know, I yeah. wake up, I'll run down the stairs, kind of doing my dry run for Christmas morning, day before. Yeah. Stockings hung up. You are there with your little cap with the little uh, helicopter thing that spins at the top. And yeah. You're like, oh, boy. Propeller cap, yeah. Football and presents. I've got my big lollipop. Um, but no, this is Christmas. I, wait, this was Christmas Eve. Was it? Yeah, this was yeah, Christmas Eve. Right. Christmas the matchup, Christmas Eve was Saturday, Christmas Day was Sunday, and it was like multiple games both days. Anyway, so we started on Christmas Eve. We get off to a rip-roaring start. We're really putting the screws to you guys. TJ Hawkinson's going bananas. And I'm feeling good, you know, but I'm just grateful to be, you know, watching uh, meaningful fantasy football during the holiday season. And that's what I'm mostly happy about. It was a great time of the year. And then the texts started coming in. And those texts were in a group chat. You and Sam and myself. You and your co-owner, Sam. And if I could... I'm not going to pull up the exact texts because they're too disgusting to read. But they were along the lines for the for the group to know here of... Wow, it's over. I can't believe it's over. You guys beat us. And all this is happening at, call it, 1 or 2 p.m. on on the first day of games on Saturday. And it was what we call here in the business a mush. Uh, Now, when I assigned blame to this mush, it was mostly Sam. It was probably 85% Sam mushing, 15% Alan mushing. And Alan claims that his mush is also carry less weight because he was in Sweden and it was, it was, uh, it was nighttime in Sweden, I believe was yeah, the, yeah, this is true. Uh, so anyway, all this happens, mush, mush, mush. I'm calling it out. I'm screenshot. You guys are mushing. This is the semifinals. What are you doing? Play to win. Don't mush. Come on. There's a lot of football left to be played. A lot of guys who haven't started yet. And then sure enough, Christmas Eve night, just as I'm getting ready for Santa Claus, Derek Carr, and Josh Jacobs combined for, I think, 12 points. Uh, and it wasn't enough to hold you guys off. You guys had some big performances down the stretch. And you beat us by I, how many I, points? By seven. I think we still had Eckler the next day, right? Yeah, we had, like, I think we had Waddle. Yeah, you Waddle. had Waddle and we had Eckler. So even after your kind of late Saturday, I want to say, collapse. Yeah. We it was were, still a kind of rejuvenation early on Sunday. On Christmas morn. Yeah. Late for me in Sweden still. Um, where Jalen Waddle like scored like a 90-yard touchdown in the first quarter of the first game on Sunday. And things looked like they could be turning around for you. So um, Yeah, you needed uh, like you needed like what? Like you needed like 15 points from Eckler or something to steal the deal. Yeah. Yeah, which you know, not a given, but yeah, Waddle um, made it close. Waddle made it close. Oh, and you had Zach Moss too. Oh, uh, we did have Zach Moss. He just, you know what? He was reliable down the stretch. You know, plug and play. He's what we thought Rex Burkhead could be for us at the start of the year. Uh, Zach Moss came on. He was a warm body. He filled that position for us. Wow! Um, it did it admirably. The full circle of warm bodies from beginning to end, right there. Anyway, what do you have to say for yourself on, you know, the mushing allegations? Look, I'm not going to sign blame within our team 
okay? Because we're a strong organization and we stand united. Um, you had, at the time, I think, like an 80, 90% chance of winning. Um, was there some drama in the text coming? Probably, probably a little over the top. Um, but, you know, all is fair in love and war. Uh, texts were sent, but it doesn't really mean anything. In the end, it was early. I knew it was early. I wasn't freaking out personally. Well, you, for um, you, it was late. You were in Sweden. Yeah, exactly. I was enjoying some nice Swedish beverages and warm Swedish foods. I had your dog, too. You had my dog at the time, also, who was just implanting you with bad vibes. Um, no. As a good boy that he is. He was not giving bad vibes. Yeah, dude. It's it's secret. He's, like, all cute and cuddly on the outside, but inside he's fucking poisoning your season. Mm. Um, and, yeah. That's what happened, and we ended up pulling it out, and that's all that matters. And sometimes you got to get down and dirty. Sometimes you got to get ugly to get the dub. That's what we did. Yeah, I mean, look, you guys scored more points than we did that week, and uh, I think I think less of one of your co-owners for the level of mushing um, that I have screenshots of. It was disgusting. Uh, other people have. And it was disgusting as well. This person also owes me $100,000 from the Nathan Peterman bet that happened the following week that he did not pay up on. I even told him he could downgrade it to ten grand. Um, Still won't do that. He did buy you dinner last week, though. He bought me dinner last week, which, you know, not ten grand or a hundred grand. But yeah, the bet was made in 2018 that Nathan Peterman would never throw another touchdown pass. He did the following week to Cole Komet. Uh, I think we're going to need our own investigative, like, full episode on the Nathan Peterman bet because I think there is, you know, there's enough lore behind that bet now that, um, you know, I don't know that we could cover it right now. I don't know that we have the time. Not a good stretch. And then, you know, you got will jump to the, the championship in a minute, but you guys obviously won. Your real team, the Chiefs, also won against my team, the Eagles. So, like, a lot of things going your way. Uh, what have you done? Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like a champion, really. is. Uh, feel like a champion. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs won. Jefferson Skyplane won the championship. Um, it was really an all-around all, all all great playoff season. Um, you know, I'm glad both ended with zero controversy. Um, <laughs> and we can just kind of celebrate and be happy without any kind of uh, fog settling around it. Well, that brings me to the uh, the championship, you guys against not Don Nate and the Demar Hamlin situation, uh, which definitely didn't make up for the mushing but definitely was a step in the right direction of making you guys suffer uh for your mushing um which don and nate took about as far as possible before relenting uh on the on that yeah look and you know we ended up splitting splitting the league winnings with don and nate so congratulations to them as well on a on a good league season um but i think the fair result came out from the end of it, um, you know, we had 
an overwhelming lead, or I mean, not actual lead, but projected lead going into that last game. Uh, um, and I think our resolution was fair and kind of showed, it kind of gave a good idea of, of what would have come from that game anyways. Um, you know, obviously a tragedy that happened there, but luckily DeMar Hamlin's doing great. Um, I think the fuck sleeper pray for DeMar little avatar, I think probably did a lot of work there too. Um, I think that helped him. Uh, and yeah, I, you know, not going to say sorry, not going to take any apologies, just going to celebrate and, and be happy we won the championship. Feels good. Yeah, well, congrats. It's not an easy league to win, and you guys, uh, I think you're in your window here, and you 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 got a you know you got a title. Uh, so, do you want to do? Do you have a rant? Do you have any sort of words of, of wisdom, or do you have uh, people that doubted you? You want to call out, like anything like that? I mean, look, all the haters out there, you know who you are. Uh, we're staring you down with the ring on our finger right now. So I'm really going to let that speak for itself. Also, it's been like five months. And so kind of my fire um, has kind of uh, abated a little bit in terms, of, in, in terms of rant potential. Uh, um, but, you know, get the next year started up, get a little, a little football back in my veins, um, and I'll get riled up again. I, I got a rant in me deep. I just don't know that. I wouldn't be forcing it, giving you a rant right now. In early May. Give me, give me a week two matchup next week against you or against Ari or against Jeremy or, you know, even Nate and Don. Um, and that fire will spark back up brutally. And Josh Allen and maybe not Mixon. All right. Maybe Eckler. I don't want to hear this. Diggs, all these guys. Uh, they're going to shove it right down everyone's I take it back. Down. I don't want any rants right now. We're good on rants. It's early May. But we do our late August preseason preview pod, and uh, if somebody slights your team, you can do a whole defending champ thing there and rant about all your your guys that are getting older and stuff like that and talk about Josh Allen. You know, and Rashid Shaheed. You know. Yeah, yeah. Rashid Shaheed. Definitely talk a lot about him. Uh, okay, well, good job, uh, you know, I mean, it was ugly, but you guys got it done. Um, I don't know if it was that ugly. It was ugly, it was ugly in terms of morals mm, displayed know. by your co-owner, mostly. Uh, Beauty is in the uh, eye of the beholder. You were in Sweden, so it's hard to assign any real blame to any texts you might have sent, because, you know, if you're in Sweden, you can... Texts don't count in Sweden. Yeah, especially when it's late. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh... Cool. Well, that's sick that you won. You knocked us out, and you know I'm just a league participant. And you're a league winner. That's that's real chill. No, you're also the league commissioner. But to be very clear, you're not a league winner. But you are the league commissioner. You're more than a league participant. Not yeah, a league winner. Oh, no, definitely, definitely not a league winner. But you are more than a league participant. Not a league winner. Uh, all right, fine. Uh. Okay, well, uh, yeah, I mean, we don't need to belabor this whole season too much, but like, uh, good word too. What, what do you what What'd you say? Good word, belabor. Belabor, yeah, you used the big word earlier too. It was pretty good about fires or something. Abating. Yeah, 
to Google that one later. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so you guys don't have a draft pick in the first two rounds. Uh, Our league draft, by the way, late June, just like last year, you know, two months, but around the, you know, you can see it in the distance. And the NFL draft has happened, free agencies happened. So we kind of. By the way, on this topic, I'm seeing a lot on Twitter. Like, I see a lot of Twitter people doing their dynasty drafts, like, as soon as the, the draft is over. Um, what's your take on these people? Are they just, like... So, these people, they're, like, the dynasty... and draft you <laughs> These These people, these dynasty people, I, I, like, listen to some of the podcasts and follow some of them on Twitter. Like, these, these people that are, like, dynasty content people are in, like, 50 to 100 dynasty leagues. So they draft like constant. Like there, there are people that do drafts as soon as the season ends. There are people. I would say they pr- that probably, if if these people are in let's say a hundred leagues, I would say probably twenty to twenty five of those leagues they draft actually before the NFL draft, which is insane to me. Are these people doing this like as a source of income or something, or like is this fun for them? Because like, how do you even keep track of your team? There must be like some sort of software or something. Like imagine going through and how would you be effective? Like looking at waivers and doing trades for that. I I have no idea how that works, but I was listening to a podcast recently and two guys on the pod were saying they were in like 80 plus dynasty leagues and had already drafted in like a quarter of them. Um, Yeah. Like those people, have never had sex in their life. I think <laughs> I think we can say that fairly. <laughs> a lot. I mean, that is, yeah, it is. I don't understand. Like you're saying what the point is like, cause they, it seems like they want to put out content and like ranks and like call things and like be like, be like a source of like advice and info. But like, you can do that without being an 80. I, I don't know. Like, yeah. Like who is paying them for that? Well, they're probably just trying to win as many of those leagues as they can to make money, I'd imagine. I don't know. It's too many. It That's that's like you're not like playing fantasy football anymore. You're like running a, a stock portfolio at that point. Like it's – that's when they, they – oh, I have shares of this guy. I have shares of that guy. Like, you know, it's like you, you actually don't care about any individual decision. You care more about like your portfolio, which doesn't seem as fun. No, definitely not. And, and like, you're not actually. You can, there's no way anyone's making a significant enough income, like winning forty dynasty leagues or whatever, <laughs> in order for it to be like justified for your time. No, absolutely not. And okay. I'm sure they all have other jobs. Um, but okay. losers. We have one league, and that league has a draft that is what I would consider even early in late June, you know, most drafts aren't until August, but I think it's a cool time of the year to do it uh, a bit ahead of all the other leagues people are in drafting. What's your take here on our league, Al? Like, what do you, you know, you don't have a pick. Maybe you trade back in, but right now I feel like you can comment on this, this first round maybe of what you expect. Yeah. I, I need to pull up the draft order um, in order to really, really, Go you know, on the uh, go on the Super League Google Doc if you have that. It's laid mm, out there. The Google Doc. Yeah, go yeah, or Google Sheet. It is a little kind of tough not having a pick um, because it is fun 
to, to have some vested interest in what's going to go on. Um, but yeah, not to say that we will never trade back in because there are definitely some guys I like um, and would like to trade back in for. Who are and, those guys and where do you want to pick them and what do you want to trade for them? Well, I can't just put that out in the open, Danny. It's going to ruin everything. Bijan? I mean, Bijan is not a realistic trade target. Okay, so now I'm looking um, Margolis and Rafi. I forgot that they have like 70 picks. The whole second so, round. They have 10 picks. Yeah. <laughs> so I, the, the guys I think I like more are, are second round guys. Okay. Um, and, you know, it's no – I won't hide that we're in the tight end market. I think Dalton Schultz as – as great of a, a citizen as he's been for us, he just had a special connection with Dak um, that I don't know is going to extend to the CJ Stroud or whoever the Texans are starting. Um, Davis so, Mills, it's really it hasn't been ruled out yet. That yeah, that's going to so, be a so camp there, battle. There's a couple of fun tight ends I think coming up um, in the second round. I do question the value of some of the running backs other than Bijan and Jameer this year. Obviously Bijan and Jameer are going to get used. Bijan, obvious. Uh, Jameer, like, you know, I hope he doesn't get used with an 80% share, given that David Montgomery shares a backfield with him. Um, But you have to imagine if they use their number 12 pick on him, that he's going to be out there a lot of the time from the beginning. But after that, it kind of gets weak really quickly. Like Charbonnet is sharing backfield with Kenneth Walker, who is, you know. That's, I don't like high, that. That's... High draft capital guy um, yeah. in an offense that is also like, should be a pretty pass heavy offense as well. With like Gino, Gino threw a lot of passes last year and they added another kind of stud receiver. So like, you know, what's, what's Charbonnet's role really going to be there? Uh, Devin, how do you say it? A chain? A chane? A chane? A chain. A chain? Yeah. Did I not get it right in in my three attempts? A chane? No, it's not a chane. I know that. It's not a chain. It's a chain? I think it's a chain or a chain. Regardless, he's a little tiny man. And. Yeah, but he's in Miami. Yeah. Moster, I think, is still there, right? Moster, and they have other guys. Like, how like useful is he going to be? Um, not saying that he's going to be useless, but it's like, are there only two running backs worthy of being drafted in the first round? Is kind of my question. Yeah, I'm pretty bitter about Charbonnet. He was the only NFL second round running back, and which is like usually like that's where like Brees Hall and like Jonathan Taylor went like second round. Like that's still amazing draft capital. And he gets plopped in with Kenneth Walker just totally booms his value. Like, and, and honestly, Kenneth Walker's value, like, right. It's just like a no win. Like nobody's happy about that. And he's a guy that probably would have went like, you know, seventh or eighth in our draft. And now he's like probably a late first, early second. Um, and, and yeah, then you're dealing with day three or, you know, third round running backs, like, you know, a chain or, um, yeah, I don't know. And it feels like a lot of teams that needed running backs didn't really draft one. Like 
I don't know what's up with Mixon, but I feel like the Bengals could have like used a running back, and I don't know. I feel I like. Think- I think Mixon's fine despite the smear campaign that's going on against him in the league. All these fake uh, arrests and stuff happening or stories of him. Just there's a news story about someone shooting a gun near his house. And that apparently is an indictment on him as a person. Um, So, you know, hopefully he's fine. What do you, what do you, what's your take on the, uh, the QB? The, Q, the big QBs, just like yeah, generally. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know that I have like a, a particularly interesting take that you hadn't heard a million times uh, going into the draft, which like is just Anthony Richardson has a really high ceiling. Yeah, like <laughs> all these guys have their flaws. Bryce Young looks great, also a tiny person. Um, so who knows how that'll go? The Panthers are also like kind of a mess of a team offensively. Um, so it's not exactly an ideal situation for him. Uh, Stroud with the Texans, like that's not an incredible situation either. So like, yeah, I, Richardson is my favorite guy just cause he's, you know, like the most athletic QB prospect ever. And that's exciting. And the Colts are definitely going to give him a chance, uh, to, to really kind of be the guy. So, you know, if I had the number one or two pick, that yeah. might be who I'm looking at. Um, let's end with that. Mike Mike and Rafi, let's put them on the spot here. They've got number one, right? Their yeah. only healthy quarterbacks are Tua and Zach Wilson. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to go for a QB. And it's really? just kind of, who do you like at that point? And you pass yeah, on I mean, Bijan, or do you try to trade down, or what? I mean, the thing is, maybe another team I would say try to trade down, but, like, they can't possibly take more picks at this point, can they? Like, yeah. they have so many picks. Maybe, if anything, they and, should try to trade I mean, up. <laughs> the other option, right, is, yeah, because they have so many second-rounders is – take Bijan first and then just kind of make sure you, you get one of one of the other QBs yeah. um, later in the first round, trade what you need to trade to make sure that happens. Trade so five like, second rounders and a late first yeah, to get like exactly. so like Stroud or if, Young. Yeah. So they're they're in a good position there that they probably do have the luxury of just taking Bijan first. Um, because like, you know, running back depth they also are – they traded all their good running backs, didn't they? They have, like, no one. Oh, yeah. They um, traded Chubb, Najee, Eckler. Yeah. So, they definitely need a running back. So, actually, I'm, I'm going to take that back. I think they have to draft Bijan first. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, and then figure out something in the second round with the quarterback. At least, you know, the good thing for them is they're actually really solid at receiver. Yeah. Which is the only place they're solid, but they have really good receivers. And so – they can kind of just focus on getting taking Bijan and then, you know, maybe even trying to get two quarterbacks out of this um, now that Zach Wilson's career is boomed, basically. So I think they probably do need two quarterbacks, um, whether it's done through the draft or not. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, because they have so many picks and because they're at least loaded at one position, I think they're in a pretty good spot. 
All right. Uh, I don't have any more questions for you, Al. I mean, what are what are you thinking at one nine? Where are you going? I know you have your like. Have you dove deep enough? You get your your obsession, guys. I think that will come around. Last year, that was Sky Moore. Yeah, um, that was Sky fell Moore. to you, and then also Garrett Wilson fell to you, and you very smartly took Garrett Wilson instead. Uh, and I ended up with Sky Moore, who you traded, and then didn't change your team name. But we won't get that. You got a good team that. name. You let it ride. Um, I have do, 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 I have dove in. Is it dove? Yeah, I, don't, I said dove, and then I feel like I said it wrong. So. Uh, I had dove in. I don't know. I feel like the NFL draft was like awful for this part of the draft. <laughs> like, you know, like a guy like Levis could have been top ten pick. Now he's like, you know, I don't know if he goes first round in our fantasy draft. Uh, Charbonnet, that's another guy just knocked off the board. Like, you know. I, I don't like the landing spots of some of the big receivers. Um, like they're they're good. I don't think they're any are like amazing. Like like they could. Be, I don't know. It's like it's a weird situ- It's a weird draft. Like my pick's available. <laughs> it's on the market. My pick is on the market. One nine, very available. Um, yeah, I mean. Probably the move around there is just to grab a wide receiver and see what happens. Like, I feel like there's more wide receiver depth typically. At least last year there was. Like, if you look at kind of the later rounds, I mean, there's, there is the occasional kind of strong running back. Um, but I feel like receivers in that yeah, area. Yeah, that's time. the other thing is, like, guys that people really liked, like, Zach Evans was, like, a seventh-round pick. He Like, he – Theoretically, it could have been a second or third round pick in the NFL draft. That just knocks him off the board. Sean Tucker didn't even get drafted. Like, same thing with him. Um, you know, just like a weird, like, Kendra Miller was like the third running back taken or fourth running back taken in the NFL draft. And like, goes to a team with like Jamal Williams and Kamara. Like, I don't know about that. It's just like, I feel like some really odd landing spots across the board and in, in like, for guys that aren't as outrageously good, it makes it really challenging. Yeah. Yeah, there's no I, – I don't know. Things probably clear up, like, over time. That's the other benefit of doing this later is, like, once training camps start a little bit, you start to hear – Yeah, hear buzz. Yeah, hear buzz, hear whispers. Oh, whispers. Um, there's whispers in camp that – um this guy's unguardable or something. Yeah, like love a good whisper. Love some buzz. You know, I'll be uh, buying into as a hype beast. I'll be buying into whoever the the preseason darling is. Last year it was Pickens. Yeah, exactly. Line up. Kevin's gonna line up at the uh, Dynasty Draft Supreme Store and get himself a Tank Dell or a Israel Abani Khan. No, no, you were right the first time. It'll definitely be Tank Dell. Tank Dell's a good name. People are saying Tank Dell. And uh, CJ Stroud's rapport is off the charts in camp. I feel like you might become a Kayshawn Boutte guy as well. Kate, yeah, Kayshawn Booty. Uh, Kayshawn Booty. Dontavian Wicks is a great name. What as well. team is he on again? He's on the Packers. Oh, wow, the Packers? Yeah, little Jordan Love, Dontavian Wicks. That is two. a really nice oh, name. 
the Rams drafted a guy named Puka Nakua. Okay, I've never heard of him. That's a good name too. So a lot of good name options out there for you for you to really latch on to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, do we think Parker? Oh, you might know this because he went to Penn State. Do we think he's black or white? I'm guessing you know this already. I do know. <laughs> um, Parker Washington looks like he's half black, half white. Is my guess. He's very, at the very least, a light skinned black guy. But the name like Parker, you don't expect that. What team's he on? Ah, fuck! I clicked away. Who's to say? The Jags. Ah, the Jags. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be, uh, I can't wait for draft season. So let's, uh, yeah, feed me guys that I can become, uh, obsessed with, uh, trading for. Um, and RIP to Tyler Algier. I think we need to end the pod with a little, like, in memoriam for, uh, for Tyler Algier, aka Fat Mormon, aka Beefer Sutherland. Um, I will remember you. Yeah. Will you remember me? Oh! Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he's still... Didn't survive. He's still, yeah, he still could have some use, but, uh, yeah, he got totally, totally fucked. Um with the drafting of Bijan. Talk so. about hype beasts. The, the Atlanta Falcons. Good God. Just whoever the flashiest guy is in the top 10, they're taking him every yeah, year. That's the rule. That seems like, honestly, I'm unbiased there. And it just seems like such a stupid pick um, to do that without really having a set quarterback um, and having zero defense. But what do I know? Yeah. I'm only a champion. Ah, and that sounds like a great place to end this this little soapbox segment for the for the champ, one half of the champ. Um, okay, well, thanks for coming on, Al. Yep, of course. It was a it was a pleasure to sit here and meander about uh, Don Tavian Wicks and about our championship. Uh, I'm sorry that. Ari couldn't be here. I'm sure he's on a call right now. He's crunching numbers. I'm sure he's developing business, developing business uh, with the best of them. You're definitely, you're going to try to take Dontavian Wicks. I bet. I might, I I might just do that with my like 36 pick of the draft. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. You telegraph that one. Um, All right. Well, uh, yeah, it's, it's a shame we couldn't have the, the whole gang here, but uh, next time we will. Yeah, we'll have to bring it back, get some actual segments, come prepared, come ready, um, talk some shit, you know, real bruise bro stuff. Yeah, really Thanks. chop it up. Chop it up, a couple, couple punches to the gut, you know, like boys do. Yeah, like yeah. Do. Yeah, roughhousing. A little roughhousing. Yeah.
everybody. We are now back in the Letterbox Lounge, hosted by Kev, your host here, for this very special version of the Letterbox Lounge off-season version. Um, I actually have two guests with me in the lounge today. Very excited. Uh, first of all, first off, Mikey Marks. Welcome back to the, the Bruce <laughs> Brothers and specifically your first time in the lounge. What's up? It's an honor and a privilege to be here. Um, you know, this is one of my favorite podcasts. Speak up, Mike. Especially the Letterbox Lounge. Oh, I apologize for not speaking loud enough. Um, I, the Letterbox Lounge is one of my favorite podcast segments in all of the podcasting realm. So it's it's an honor to be here. That's that's great to hear. Any particular like movies that you really liked that uh, we reviewed in the lounge? I honestly could not recall one of them, um, but you know I'm a uh, avowed fan of your movie taste in general. So uh, all right, all of them. All right, thanks, Mike. And then a very, very special guest for the first time on the podcast, and for the first time in the league, our newest league member, Greg, the Omen Sawyer. What's up, Kev? Glad to be here. All right, welcome, Greg. So for those of you that don't know, Greg is co-owning with Tim, um, who plays in Connor. And the reason, you know, first of all, we want to intro intro you, Greg, and get the league familiar with with all things Greg. Uh, and then you're a big, you're a movie buff, and you're uh, you're you're on Letterbox too. So you know, feel like you'd be a natural third person here for the lounge. <laughs> Yeah, I'm new to the league. I'm new to Letterboxd, not new to movies, so um, I'm feeling comfortable. But no, Carter actually got me into uh, into Letterboxd last year, so um, I'm going back and um, recapping some some of my old favorites. But nowhere near a thousand on my uh, on my reviews. Not yeah, you gotta you gotta get there, uh, but. You know, we got to get Carter on the lounge, too. That's a, that's a great point. We got to get everybody who's on Letterboxd in the lounge at some point this year. Uh, Greg, real quick, I know the league was super concerned with your measurables. Uh, do Can you rattle them off for us just so we have them here in audio? Yeah, 6'3", um, like my my physical dimensions or my fantasy yeah, statistics? Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. 6'3", um, 215". I'm hoping to get to 200 as a better playing weight. Um, probably bench press uh, zero times at 145. Um, my my 40 yeah. yard dash probably in the six second range. Okay. Um, more of a power hitter at the plate and a uh, corner infielder uh, when it comes to uh, adult league softball. So um, I've got more of a, a softball athleticism, I'd say. What about mile run time? Like best ever or right now? Right now. I, I just hope to make a mile without walking. Okay. Like okay. 10 minutes. Okay. I've never, one of my fun facts is I've never run more than one mile consecutively without stopping. Oh, which wow. People, people find that crazy. I don't find it that crazy because when you get tested in sports, for it'd be like your mile time or like in gym class, it'd be like your mile time. No one yeah. cares about your your mile and a quarter time, you know, yeah. so you run the mile, you stop running. And now that I'm an adult, you know, I, I can't, I can't make myself once that thing hits a mile, I'm out. Yeah. 
That was the worst. That was the worst day of middle school every year. I would dread that, you know, like, oh, today's mild day. I'm like, why? Why do we like the president? So much anxiety. Yeah. Mike, were you a big like hands on your hips, walking the walking the track guy, or did you actually go for it? No, I went for it. I was just very bad at it. You know, I on short strides, uh, not great lung capacity. So the mile was really not something that I was built for. There's nowhere to hide, too. And like mm-hmm. all, all the girls in the gym class, they're probably thinking like, this is a, this is a, this is a good looking guy. He looks athletic. And then they see you do the mile time. Can't get a date. Can't get a date. <laughs> you guys are both basketball guys, too. Uh, any like player comps for yourself, Greg? Um, to help people well, visualize. Yeah, I guess like in uh, high school basketball, I was uh, like a stretch four, mm. but that was back in the day when uh, like stretch fours weren't cool, and you just want to like pound inside. Mm. So, mm. Um, so yeah, maybe like uh, Nick Anderson. Okay. Like I was gonna uh, say Ryan. Ryan Anderson. Anderson. Uh, Ryan Anderson, BC Ryan Anderson. Um, but no, it's funny. And my co-owner now, Tim Hughes, we played high school basketball together. Um, we were just like the exact opposite. Like he was like the rebounder grinder in the middle. And I was more of like the stretch for like spread the floor. Um, but now, now we're, now we're co-owners. So it's a good, uh, good relationship, I guess. Got both sides covered. Kevin, who would you say, who would you say your player comp is, you know, like a erratic, Lefty point guard. Yeah, that that one's like, pretty easy. Gets in the lane, turns it over. Brandon Jennings. Yeah. <laughs> you, you Fair like, enough. You like, like you would go off for fifty at any time, but generally you're like 20, 20 a game on thirty two percent shooting. Yeah. Yeah. Under control. If I've been, if I'm under control, like best case is. Drogic maybe like best day ever mm-hmm. but i'm more more frequently like brandon jennings on a bad night what about you mike i i remember you've got a you've got a tight little like you've got a tight little point guard mid-range kind of you know mm-hmm. little like catch and shoot shoot off the dribble i'm trying to think of the right the right comp for you thinking almost like a andre right. miller crossed with is isaiah that, joe it's, it's- Sure. It's tough because, you know, all of the players that have my style of game are actually good, whereas I am not. But, you know, Chris Paul. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got Come Ryan on. Anderson. Uh, Ryan Anderson. Ryan Ed- and uh, Brandon Jennings and Chris Paul. Uh, I'm glad you guys corrected me on that because I meant Ryan Anderson. Um, and I just Google I'm like Nick Anderson. I told Kevin before this, I, I'm just, my brain's just in full baseball mode. So like, <laughs> yeah, that's, I got a, that's Anderson there, but good catch guys. Thank you. So speaking of baseball mode, this, this segues nicely and, uh, to, to the next part here where we really, we really, this is what the lounge is built on is, is talking movies. Normally it's mm-hmm. me sort of pitching a movie that I re- recommend or, have watched or don't recommend to the co-hosts on this pod. But since today's a special episode, 
we're kind of going to run through a movie that Mike and I have watched and sort of pitch it to you, Greg, and then at the end you can kind of guess where we landed on it in terms of our letterbox score. Uh, so Mike and I on Letterbox actually both logged our 1,000th movie last month um, together at the same time. We both hit number 1,000 and we thought, wow, we should watch a movie, the same movie, and we'll do it in sync. Uh, so we planned this out a couple weeks ahead, and then it was fi- time to pick the movie. And I said, Mike, what's a movie you really want to watch? And Mike, Mike gave us a little big league as the answer. So, because Mike wanted to watch it, that's the I, one, that's I the, don't, is that how it happened? Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? I, I don't recall it going exactly like that. I, I recall being given several subpar options and suggesting this as one that I would theoretically be up with. And you, Mike, your you Wi-Fi. You, you gotta fix your. You gotta fix your connectivity. I say in the matter, I would never. Mike, you're lagging in and out, man. This is bad. You're frozen. Uh, Greg, are you with us? Mike is just lagging. I'm still here. I think it was yeah. such a bad. Whatever he was saying was so bad that they just I, cut him out. Go ahead. Oh, nothing. It's frozen. Frozen. Is, this is guy. It, is it back now. I apologize. Yeah, I mean your face is still still looks mean? like a It's fine. I see I see myself great and I I hear everything fine. Okay, so you might be back I'm now. Not having any issues. Are we still having issues? No, you're good now, Chris Paul. Your face is like freezing. But that won't matter as long as the okay, audience are, are we back? What now now well now I got you back, Greg, but now I lost Kevin. I don't know what's happened. Oh my god. How are we doing now? How, how, what? What's wrong with it? I hear you guys perfect. All right. Let's just push on. Um, are we good? So, little big league. Okay, you want to ask me again the letterbox thing? No, I'm not asking. You You picked little big league. We watched it, and we reviewed it, and we're going to pitch it to Greg and see what he has to say. We're going to walk through the plot and give some thoughts. Can I ask a question that I probably should have asked five minutes ago? Yes. Are you two the Bruce Brothers? No. Ari and I are the Bruce Brothers. No. So Ari is like the co-host of this podcast, but he's but he's not here today? Yeah, he's. this is like my special yeah, segment. Is Ari? This is my special segment. Okay. All right. This is like a, this is like a, a addendum episode to the Bruce Brothers. Yeah, exactly. It's it's gonna it's it's not a separate episode, but it's a separate time slot on the back. Right. Okay. Got it. Continue. Well, Ari, I wish you I wish you were here, Ari. If you're hearing this, I wish you were here. Um. Okay. So this is a movie about baseball, uh, and the Minnesota Twins. Mike, you wanna you wanna take us away? Mike. You're talking to me, taking us away with the plot song. What? Mike, you want to hop off and hop back on, man? This is a disaster. Um, sure, I'll try. Or maybe, maybe he should go no video to try to save some bandwidth. That's a great idea. It does seem like it's a potential bandwidth issue. 
Okay, Greg, so you're, you're a baseball guy. This is a baseball movie. Immediately, before we get into it, like, what are your thoughts? Um, you know, looking at the poster, uh, what, what are you thinking? Uh, I know almost nothing about it, but I'm hoping it's kind of like a mix between one of my favorite baseball movies is uh, Rookie of the Year. Okay. Get a, get a little kid playing in the big leagues, and based on the title, sounds like we could get some of that. Okay. Um, or maybe it's kind of like the baseball version of The Little Giants. That would also be a nice, uh, fun movie that I would be interested in. It could go either way. I'm not. I'm not really sure. Okay. Uh, Mike, you're back. I am back. I'm sorry about that. And you could turn off your video to say bandwidth, Mike. No, I think I've solved the problem. I don't think we'll be encountering any Wi-Fi issues anymore. All right. So this you look a lot better, like more clear. I was. Uh, I had my VPN on. I was uh, seeding some torrents, so perhaps that's why I was having Wi-Fi issues. What were you? You were seeding them. What? Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm a member of a, an exclusive private torrent website, and to maintain my membership status, I have to seed all of my torrents to a one-to-one ratio. So currently, I was doing that for the latest episode of Mrs. Davis on Peacock. All right, I don't, I don't know what that stuff means. <laughs> uh, so. Real quick, Little Big League, let's get into it. 1994 American family sports film about a 12-year-old who suddenly becomes the owner and then manager of the Minnesota Twins. Nepo, baby. Uh, Directed by Andrew Scheinman, written by Gregory K. Pincus. Uh, Budget of $20 million, box office $12 million. So a loser. What was the studio? The studio was Columbia Pictures, uh, production company Castle Rock, um, 119 minutes. Yeah, uh, there's you know some some stars in this movie, um, but you know it's it's really it's about uh, baseball and uh, what happens in this movie uh, is this kid Billy is the son of the owner or sorry, he's the grandson. Of the owner of the Minnesota Twins, right, Mike? Yeah, do, I don't remember what happened to the father. I think the father is just kind of like out of the picture or dead. Mm, right. Continue. Yes, he's the grandson of the owner of the Twins. Yeah, and he, uh, this kid, plays. The baseball. Twins are not successful. Ah, uh, were they not successful? I don't remember. Um, they were struggling. So this kid plays baseball and is like outsmarting the managers and the umps of his little league game on, on the rules of the game. He just know he's very, he's demonstrating very early on in this movie that he knows a lot about like baseball strategy. Uh, it's, it's quite impressive uh, in terms of his, his play on the field. Not great. Very uncoordinated prepubescent, but a, a real knowledge of the game like advanced stuff spin rates angles like before any of that was even uh known in the in the popular sphere of baseball this kid was on point he knew strategy it was it was very impressive yeah like you know lefty on lefty matchups shifts uh pitching around hitters things like that he's he's got it uh this kid really he's got it going on in in that arena 
uh, has a great relationship with his grandfather. They're, they're, you know, doing like 50 year old baseball trivia together. They're eating ice cream together. And then sadly his grandfather dies. Yes, he does die. And I, when I was watching this film, I wondered because they inform you of this great relationship between the grandson and the grandfather through this montage where they go on this very long walk after a, a Twins game. He goes to all these Twins games, sits in the owner's box, whatever, and then they have a long conversation, they get ice cream on their way home. And you have to wonder if he died because of this abnormally long walk that they took home from the stadium. Oh, interesting. Evening, uh, prior. I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. flag that as a potential cause of death. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, so then, guess what? His grandfather left his grandson the Minnesota Twins franchise. And, Greg, this is this is something you'll appreciate. Full licensing rights. Twins uniforms, the Metrodome. This stuff is all, it all looks very real and great. Uh, playing against real teams, like, the Mar- like, all the jerseys, like, it's spot on, 90s. MLB, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't blink. You'd think you'd be watching a real game. And so he just, he just hops in and becomes the manager as well. Like there, there are some roadblocks. Well, not that seems a little unrealistic to me. He's initially the owner. Definitely logistical issues. Yeah. So he's initially the owner of the team. But he's okay. seeing he's seeing the manager honestly taking like an old school approach, and he's kind of more of the Moneyball school of thought uh, in terms of his management sort of style. And he can't he can't deal with it anymore. I forget what the breaking point is, Mike. But he eventually fires the manager and steps in himself. Yeah, he he he. The, this kid has an almost immediate power grab of the organization. You know, he is the owner. He goes through. There's obviously some skepticism um, in the clubhouse uh, of this 12-year-old who is now running the organization. But, you know, the players, while skeptical, I think took a liking to him. You know, he was able to impress upon them that he had a a quality knowledge of the game at at an early stage, watching some uh, batting practice or or something. And... uh, under his leadership, right, they, they have a slide of some sort. They're not playing well. And um, I think there was a, one particular player that he really believed in, maybe, that the, that the current manager was not um, treating well, and he was just not a believer in his management style. So he cans him. And um, I think maybe there was like an interim for a little bit, but he, he kind of steps right in and, and uh, makes himself – the manager and owner and and essentially just uh, you know tyrant of the Minnesota Twins. Um, I guess we're supposed to assume that his his grandfather uh, passed away after the school year ended, and uh, and then are we worried about like them making the playoffs? And did they ever talk about like shit? You know, if we play into September, Johnny's got to go back to the fourth grade. Yeah. Ever come up? There, there is a little bit of like, oh, you're going to spend this summer coaching the Twins, Billy. Uh, so I think it is right in line with the summer. And yeah, yeah that's there's a- like a, there's a school scene right early in the beginning, like he's at school yes. and 
he there was like this girl that he likes, right? And the girl thought that he was like a loser and a nerd, and then he starts to run their twins, and the girl's like, Ooh, Billy. Yeah, you know <laughs> that girl was like, big <laughs> twins fan. Yeah, some kids are like I think some kids are kind of like jealous though, giving him a hard time. Like it's not all it's not all great for Billy. Um, and well, then I think it, we're we're meant to we're meant to think that this happens towards the beginning of the season, kind of like in April May, because he's in school and then the summer is approaching, so he can devote himself full time to the twins. Yeah, it makes sense why he is like yeah able to go on road trips to to make life even tougher for this little guy too. The the first baseman slugger Lou Collins takes a liking to his mom. Um, <laughs> So, why did why did I know like he was going to be raised by a single mom? Like I feel like every movie like this, you there's no choice. You have to have like a single mom who gets in a relationship with with one of the like, players. Yeah. yeah, one I, of the players. One of them, like yeah, the the guy in the organization. Rookie of the year. I think they do that same thing with uh, Gary Busey, right? <laughs> no, I think his mom, but his mom is single and like dating. She's dating the the guy on the Cubs. I'm pretty sure. I thought she was dating like an agent or like a like, ah. yeah. But it's the same. It's the same premise. Like single mom did. Like, same beats. I, I don't have time. I don't have time to support your baseball love. Right. Yeah. It's the same beats. Um, yeah. And then what, what? What else happens in this movie, Mike? <laughs> um, I thought you were reading the Wikipedia page. He. Um, I was. Like, I was just the, looking up. I was looking up more information about the director because this is the only film that this this guy Andrew Scheinman has ever directed. I was trying to figure out whether or not he had any well known um, daddy issues, you know, that would result in this particular screenplay. Um, but actually, before he got his start in entertainment, he was a professional tennis player, and he, like me, earned a JD um, from the University of Virginia in 1973. So he's a lawyer. And he's one of the heads of Castle Rock Entertainment, and he is uh, a, uh, a Emmy Award winner for producing Seinfeld, and was nominated for an wow. Emmy Award for producing A Few Good Men. So he's a well-known guy. But this is his only film that he's ever directed. Passion um, Project. Yeah, I, I, yeah, understandably, he probably loves baseball. Okay, so um, the team starts to have some success, right? Wonder his uh, tutelage, his. In the beginning, they don't work as great, but he gives some, I think, a rousing speech, right, at some point in the clubhouse, and uh, they start to believe in him or something like that. He gets ejected and, like, suspended for, like, standing up for one of the players, I think. Yeah, he kicks some dirt on an umpire's feet, of course, the class. And the the players go, you know what, this this kid maybe is a good manager after all. Right. Um, Right. so are you not looking up the synopsis like you said that you were? Like, I, I was following your lead. Like, this is, I mean, letterbox is going off the rails. There's a lot, two kind a of, lot of broad words. Yeah. Overarching questions about this. So, like, just trying to mm-hmm. contextualize this movie. If he's the owner and the manager, like, who's the villain? And, like, who, like who's the antagonist in this movie? It sounds like there's nobody that can mm-hmm. kind of take the team away from him. There's no one that can oppose him. So is it like the the White Sox or something like it's the Mariners? At least okay, the Mariners. So there's no like internal like struggle for the team. And then does he have a love interest? That girl from 
from April? No. Does she come back? No. Are you worried about I that? would say I would say there there are several minor conflicts um, throughout the film. He part of it is his alienation from his other twelve year old friends who are upset with him because he's uh, neglected his um, responsibilities as a as a prepubescent friend. And right. he's now saddled with the responsibility of managing a professional baseball team. Um, he also, there's a, a conflict, like Kevin mentioned, of the mother of his mom and the first baseman, who is a very charismatic like leader of the team type. Um, and then I would say, though, that mostly the main conflict and the climax of the film result, like, re- revolves around his management of the squad and uh, whether or not they have success on the diamond. Got it. Leading to a, a climactic scene involving Randy Johnson, right, Kevin? Yeah, there's like a big showdown with the Griffey, Randy Johnson, Mariners. Um, and uh, it's like the big final game or whatever. I'm really running out of steam on this one, Mike. So they yeah, use well, the movie is terrible. It's a terrible. So the Mariners have all their real players, and the Twins don't. The Twins just have like yes. fake actors. They don't have Kirby Puckett in the outfield or anything. No, they don't. They no. don't have any real oh. players. Yeah, let's see. Who, who? What were their names? Lou Collins. Yeah, he was a name. Um, who else did they? Lou have? Collins oh, was Bowers. like okay. Yeah, Keith Hernandez of so, uh, like. Contact hitting first baseman, sort of like I, I bet you his numbers were similar to Keith Hernandez. That was one of my unanswerable questions. Was the they should have just got Keith Hernandez for that role? He already had his SAG card from Seinfeld. Yeah, Perfect. seriously, that's plug and play, Castle Rock. And this guy should have known him, right? Exactly from the producer. They shouldn't have just gotten Keith Hernandez. That's a great point. Um, there's one character that deserves a mention: Jonathan Silverman, who plays uh, Jim Bowers who is truly just the epitome of, like, what you think of when you think of, like, professional baseball player, like, just short temper, kind of dumb, funny guy, locker room presence, like, loves to walk around without clothes, always got some chaw in, you know, vulgar. Like, he is just the perfect epitome of a baseball player, and you really learn to love him. I would say he's uh, one of the highlights of this movie, which I had many issues with. My main issue with this movie was that it was super boring, and as Greg mentioned, there was no conflict, almost, that I cared about, and it really moved slowly, and it almost feels like it moves intentionally slowly. Um, but yeah, I didn't love this movie, don't remember how it ends, and I only saw Do you think it... Do you think that the pace of the film is meant to serve as uh, like a metaphor for the slog of a major league regular season? Wow, that's deep. That's I, yeah, I do think that. There's no way. Right? There's no way you make this movie <laughs> just because you hate baseball. No, it's not hate. It's well, just maybe... it's like. This guy no, wants us to put, I, be in the shoes. I would say they love baseball. I would say that the the makers of this film do love baseball. Like it's, it. I would say of the 
positive qualities of this movie. It's the like level of baseball that's being played, the way that they talk about it, um, and how it's analyzed. Like, there's a true love for the game, and like they clearly are knowledgeable baseball fans that are uh, behind the scenes it, it, on production of this thing. So I would say that that is actually one of the highlights. Um, but you know, perhaps there is some psychological thing to be analyzed here, where it's kind of like the 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 pace of one's life as a twelve year old compared to um, the responsibility required and the and the different pacing of um, the average major league season. You know, I I, I wonder if there's um, if we're gonna talk about this movie on a deeper level, if there was something to to look at there. But frankly. Um, it's a little bit of a stretch. All right. Uh, I'm going to sum up how this thing ends to keep this moving. Uh, Again, Greg, you'll like this. It comes down to a one-game playoff for the AL wildcard. Of course it does. Twins, Mariners in the Metrodome. The teams trade three-run home runs during the course of the the game. Extra innings are required. The Mariners eventually take the lead. Down to their final out with Lou Collins, the guy who's the first baseman and you know, dating his mom, Billy's mom. He tells Billy that he has asked his mom to marry him and that she said, ask Billy as her response. With a runner on base, Billy says that if Lou hits the game-winning homer, he will give him his blessing, but quickly relents and gives Lou his consent whether or not he hits a homer. Facing Randy Johnson, Lou hits a long fly ball to center field, but Ken Griffey Jr. makes a leaping catch at the wall to rob Lou of a homer and end the game. And then, with the the season over, Billy steps down as manager, um, and the the pitching coach that we've gotten to know for the last two hours, Mac McNally, takes his place, and then, yeah, he brings back some some other old guy, Jerry. It's interesting that a lot of these people's names have alliteration. Mac McNally, Jerry Johnson, things like this. he brings back Jerry to be like the new like hitting coach, and the players get all sad, like, "Oh, we're losing our twelve-year-old manager." Um, but he's still going to be the owner, so he's still going to be around, making personnel decisions, you know, investing in the club. Um, and he he tells them that if middle school doesn't work out, he's he's coming back. You know, the greatest return, and uh, he's like practically the Billy Martin of this world. And then. Um, he, I think what happens, oh, and then, oh, right, he tells all this, them this in the clubhouse or whatever, and then somebody comes in and is like, Billy, 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 the fans, they're still in the stadium, they're chanting for you, they're chanting for you, and then he comes out, and he gives, like, a curtain call, and everybody gives him a standing O in the crowd, they all applaud him, and then the movie ends. <laughs> all right, Greg, time to guess our, our ratings. Wow. Um... How do you guys normally rate things? Like, just are you more of like normal curve people, or are you kind of like more like what's your like what's a one three five for you? That's a that's a good question. I'd say Mike and I are fairly normal curve guys. Okay, so like a two point yeah, five would be like an average movie. Like that movie was fine. Like a, like a three would be an average fine movie. I would say three. Okay. Um, I'm going to say, 
I'm gonna say Mike went um, Mike went zero stars, and and Kev went one star, just like out of his sheer support for like the shtick of the movie. Well, surprisingly, well, we were very negative, Kevin. So I'm not surprised that he that he undershot us here. Um, you guys didn't say like one like positive supporting thing about the movie. Well, I did say that the quality of baseball knowledge was. Yeah, was we did good. say that the quality of baseball knowledge was good. Yeah. Okay. So, Kevin, what did, what did we both say? We Kevin, both we... gave it two stars. Two of them. Two. Wow. Yeah. Here's the thing. I like movies, so like it has to be my letterbox strategy is like it has to be like really bad, like really bad for me to go into like the one, the half star, one star, one and a half realm. Like it has to be like really bad. Like I reserve those for like the worst of the worst. So this is like a C minus, yeah, know, D plus type movie. I'm gonna review. Like, read your review here, Mike. Honestly, the quality of baseball action and knowledge of this film is shockingly impressive. It's the only thing holding it together, plus Jonathan Silverman's performance as Bowers, which is a powerful representation of the true essence of baseball players. I do wish we could make more movies like this. Give it a shot. This kid had some spunk. Couldn't be worse than Aaron Boone. C minus. Yeah, that's exactly right. He could like I would take this guy as the manager of the Yankees over Aaron Boone in a second. Wouldn't even think about it. I feel like a different person wrote that review than the person that just talked about the movie for the past 20 minutes. I'm yeah. shocked by that. Yeah, you're right. Well, I was, I was very, I was very excited about this being my 1000th uh, movie on Letterboxd. And, you know, I was all caught up in the hype of me and Kevin watching it to get like separately, but together, uh, you know, so, so there was some shine on it. I think what, what did Kevin say? Um, Kevin, you want me to read your review? Sure. Okay, you said, maybe this little shit should have spent less time memorizing baseball stats from 80 years earlier and more time working on his own swing, which is absolute trash. The story and acting were both terrible. Baseball playing was convincingly good. The only things this movie really has going for it is some big 90s MLB star appearances, access to MLB trademarks, and some sound baseball strategy talk. The big unit would have struck out Lou Collins on three pitches with his eyes closed. There's, that's not a two. Those words do, do not equal two. Uh, I mean, I'm open. This is, what, what do those words equal? Those words equal zero. Okay. All maybe right. a half. Maybe a half because you did like the, the baseball knowledge. Yeah. I two mean, is so generous. See, this is helpful. Like, I need people consulting me on how many stars to give things I can give the words but the stars I don't know how to translate sometimes yeah well, what, what, I'm curious Kevin I'm looking right now to see what films you've rated as um, as zero stars you know I don't think you can give zero I think it has to for be a one, for your lowest let's see they're, they're all just like trash junk like oh Mac and me yeah that was bad I'm that actually was stupid that. for actually watching this. <laughs> the Love Guru. These are these are the films that Kevin gives one star. He actually only has three one star films on all of Letterboxd. Mac and Me, The Love Guru, and Super Mario Bros. from 1993. And then really he has bad. a few a few one and a halves. Um, downsizing, which is a surprising one and a half. 
Yeah, that's bad. You didn't like that? You're not an awful. Alexander Payne guy? Oh, I am an Alexander Payne guy, but that was awful. Yeah, it wasn't good. You're right. Okay, let's can we move on past a little big Yeah, I am so I, I can't believe you made, I can't believe you made me watch this film as my 1,000th film. It was terrible. You can pick 2,000, Mike. I'm going to be okay. passing. I'm going to be passing on the little big league. I appreciate the recap. I feel like I watched it. Um, yeah, you got it. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. It's basically a less funny, less exciting version of Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's that's the... And, the much, lo- and much longer, I'd imagine, too, in length. Um, this movie felt like it was three hours long. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Next segment... And, well, yeah, the next segment, I think we do a little writer's room exercise here, staying on the sports movie topic, where we talk about some sports movies that Greg and I would love to see made, and we kind of pitch them to you, Mike, and we kind of roundtable this. Uh, Letterbox roundtable is what we can call this segment. Okay, sure. Um, and, and I'm, I'm looking at Greg's lowest star ratings on Letterboxd right now, and I have I have so many gripes with this, so we'll have to save that for, for I, another appearance. I think I think we could simply do like, yes, I would watch this movie. No, I wouldn't watch this movie, or like, yes, but I need this question answered. Um, okay, we can kind of do like that. So, Greg, you want to kick it off? You know what? You know what? I was kind of thinking too. I don't know if maybe. If you know off the top of your head or not, I was kind of thinking like if Kevin and I were talking about these like hypothetical sports movies that we'd love to see be made, and I was kind of thinking in my head how I describe it. Okay, here's the main character. This is kind of the problem that they go through. This is the plot. Um, like Kev said, if you had any questions or what you need with the plot, but also like if you wanted to uh, cast this movie, yeah, that would be interesting as well. Okay, uh, and I'm, I'm too close to it personally because I've been. <laughs> thinking about it in my head for two weeks that I don't think I can see the whole whole forest and cast this properly. So if you got any ideas, just let me know. This is exciting. Okay, let's hear it. What do we got? Yeah, so the, the first movie idea I had, um, this is based on a true story, um, and it's, it's a comedy, um, but based on the dramatic true story of Danny Almonte. Do you mm, remember Danny Almonte? Of course. I'm in. Yeah. So so if viewers don't uh, remember Danny Almonte, he was a Little League pitcher uh, for the – I think he was from the Bronx um, mm-hmm. back in the early 2000s. And he was just dominating these 12-year-old kids uh, because it later turned out he was like 16 years old and from the Dominican Republic. And they just right. – uh, they shipped him up here, shaved his beard, and threw him out there in the Little League World Series. So it's, it's not um, – you know, fully a true story as a based on a true story, because what I would like to do with this movie is I take that main character of Danny Almonte and I would just cast it like as a, as a man, just like a, yep. just exactly like a 40 year old man. And yeah. this man somehow gets t- like, I don't know how he gets on the team exactly, but he gets, he's maybe working at bodega in the Bronx and like somebody hits a baseball into his bodega and he, he throws it back and they're like, that guy's got an arm. But the funny thing is like, no one realizes how old this guy is. Like the coach just kind of like, is this guy 12? And like no one in the movie understands how old it is, but the viewer will see like an old man playing this role. Yeah. So he gets tossed in the little league world series. So he would be the main, main lead in this. 
or the main like the actor actor in the leading role. The yeah. actress in the leading role would be once he gets to Williamsport, they'd have you know the team they go against the their main competition. Maybe it's like you know Team Germany or Team Japan or something. But there's you know single mom from the baseball player. You need that and. She, his single the, mom or a, a team? No, no, no. Mom. from the other team. Oh, from the other, yeah, the other team. team. Just say, let's just say it's like Team Germany. Okay. Just for right. the sake of it. And they have this, you know, power hitting first baseman, like 12 years old, just hits bombs. And his mom's like a smoke show, single mm-hmm. mom. And uh, of course, the our main character, Danny, loves this woman. And they start an off the field relationship. Uh, but the problem is the woman thinks he's 12, you know? So she, <laughs> she she's, like, having an internal conflict with herself because she's, like, having a crisis moment of, like, oh, my God, I'm in a weird... But the thing is, she's foreign, so their uh, laws are different than they work in Williamsport, so you have this drama going on on the side. Ooh. I have um, a question. Does she see him as he looks to us? Right. I'm curious if this is, like, a shallow house situation. That's a good question. Um, I th- I don't think it's a shallow house situation. I think everybody sees the, what we're seeing, but in everyone else's mind, they're like, yeah, this guy's 12. Obviously, Danny Almonte just fits right in. And God. Danny, our main character, doesn't really understand why everyone thinks he's 12, but he's in too deep now that he's like, now he's in Williamsport. He's gotten his life together. He like sees a future. People are telling him that he's going to the pros one day when he grows up. And, uh, and now he's got this thing going on with this woman who's going to be the love of his life. Um, but he can't tell her that he's 18. Like, all he wants to do is tell her that he's of legal age. But he can't do it because it would ruin it for his team, you know? Yeah. Right. I, I think this is great. This is great. Um, the, I don't know why. Well, I think that the mom character, you know, this is just any single mom that's supposed to be hot. I'm just automatically casting Marissa Tomei. So Marissa Tomei is in this role. Right. Um, yeah. Love it. Automatic. On the main character side, like, it, you can't cast Danny McBride even though he would be perfect for this role. Yeah. He would be mm-hmm. perfect. Um, but I don't that's think the kind of look I want, though. Like, right. that, like that is a man. <laughs> right. I was thinking, maybe, I don't know why this person, maybe it's just like a Hispanic thing, but... Um, Pedro Pascal, I thought, could be. Ooh. Oh, yeah. He could kind of work in this room. That could work. <laughs> that would really work, especially because, like, we yeah, have the, um, the, uh, the Latin, well, the, the um, Caribbean uh, connection. Right, yeah. I yeah, was thinking I maybe. Was I could see him that kind of, like, put on some weight, be like a bodega guy. I could see him. Is, is Miles Teller to, like, to, like, uh, it, is, would that work? Well, well, what about what about Miles Teller as like the coach who's okay. like actually actually younger than the player, you know, but he doesn't realize it. And he's like giving him life lessons all the time. Yeah, he's nice like, I could see it even being like a like an like even older kind of like like an Adam Sandler type, you know, like that would be like mm-hmm. that would be funny if it was just like you're talking like some guy who's like legit like in his fifties, like late fifties, you know, that would be good. Um, Interesting. Do you think that there are any like potential cancellation problems? Like you, you know, <laughs> with this with the whole relationship. I guess like he's he is old, so you know. Well, that's the thing. Like the funny thing is that it's there's no statutory rape going on, but like right. they they're like in this weird situation where like it's like the opposite of that happening. 
Um, and also I think because it's the Little League World Series and you're playing teams from other countries, um, you know, that gets dicey with other countries' laws and things like that. So I think it would be funny, but I would be open to uh, I'd be open to hearing if it wasn't and uh, tweaking it appropriately. Sure. How, and how does it end? Does it end with like the FBI? Like they like raid, like, like he's like, they raid they the, the Little League World Series. They raid the field. He, or, no, I was thinking like they, he wins the Little League World Series and then he just goes back to bodega life and he's just like, working in the bodega and then like the FBI like raids this bodega and like takes him to jail for like impersonating a, a 12 year old or something. And he's like, what? I did that. I was, I was never told him I was 12. You know, I was trying the whole time. Right. I don't know if the FBI would get involved for like uh, for a Little League World Series crime, but um, I think the real Denny Almonte didn't win, right? They lost. Yeah. Uh, so true. I think you would have to keep it true to the, the history of the events with a loss. Um, but I don't know. Do you think he should end up with this woman or not? Like, does he have also like, is, does he have stuff going on in his life before he gets thrust into this situation? Like maybe he had a girlfriend or, or a ex that he was working it out with that, you know, knows he's 40 years old. That could be another side, side thing. Or, or do we have some sort of like freaky Friday situation where he gets like hit in the head with a baseball and then like he comes to and like everybody thinks he's like a teenager. I don't know. Oh, and he's like, am I a teenager now? Yeah, just like, why isn't anybody like calling this out? And it would also be funny if, you know, at the end of the season, after they win or lose, they're like, you should come play football this fall. Uh, oh, and then keep it going. first day of practice, they're like, this guy's an, this guy's an adult. What are we doing here? And he gets yeah. <laughs> flagged right away. But they the second he leaves Williamsport, everyone yeah. just knows. Yeah, like, whoa, man, get off yeah. the field. He's got a, the the coach. Him and the coach have to go to like have to have gone to high school together. Like they like him and Adam Sandler or whatever like played high school baseball. Was like you know me, and he's like I don't know you, kid. <laughs> what is what's the title of this? What about Big Little League? <laughs> I want to disassociate from that first movie, but I don't have a title in mind. Yeah, that's I. I mean. That was more than I could have hoped for, Greg. That was that was much better than any of the ideas I had. So I, I would definitely watch. That I don't know. Movie. I, I was I was buying it. I got a quick synopsis of you. Go for yours because I I really liked yours. Let's hear your best idea. Uh, I have a couple of ideas, and they're they're more like smaller things. But like I, I've been getting really excited about this one where there was like this this sort of top prospect uh, coming up the bigs. Uh, really, really killing it, doing well, has a family, uh, he's a hitter, he's a left-handed hitter, and, um, he gets stung in the eyes by 50 bees, and he, he loses his, uh, ability to see after that, but he still loves baseball, so he has to rely on his other, he doesn't want to give up, even though he can't see anymore, his eyes are swollen up and don't work. So he's got to rely on his other senses and it's a real like, you know, road back to like, you know, like this is like a, a triumph of the human spirit type movie where he, he actually does make it back to the bigs completely blind using his uh, other senses to become a serviceable like pinch hitter and he gets a big pinch hit and wins the game. Uh, so I'm just, I'm imagining the scene 
of him walking out, like walking to the plate from the on deck circle and using his bat as like one of those like walking oh, sticks. Oh yeah, like, yeah. People use. Like, <laughs> he's got it out in front of him, he, and he's, he he's, finds and the plate, he and he's like, okay. The plate. Yeah. yeah. And they have to like turn him around and like. <laughs> I don't but know he's, if we can be he's got like this supersonic hearing where he can hear like the stitches of the ball, like how it's right. whistle, like you know, and he, he's. Yeah, he's he actually becomes maybe a better hitter. Uh, Wait, is this a, is this a drama he's or a, a comedy? Just to he's like a Spider Man. This is a drama. <laughs> okay, so we got to be serious about it. And the bee sting scene is like horrifying. It's like the Wicker Man, <laughs> like with Nicolas Cage. Like it's like he's having a catch with his son, and maybe his son hits like a bee's nest with uh, the ball. And they and just, it's shot from his perspective. It's shot from his perspective. Yeah, and he's going to get the, the ball, bees, yeah. and you see all these bees just sting the crap out of his eyes. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and there can be like a like maybe as he's making his way back into baseball, like he joins like the AAA squad for like the like Bloomington Bees or something like that, or like the some Hornets or something, right? And he kind of has to confront his uh, trauma. By playing for the team that has the logo of the well, he gets asked about yeah, maybe he gets asked about that in a press conference, and he does like a, you know, I can't blame the bees; it's their nature to sting, just like it's my nature to hit. Because you know at that stadium too, when they'd be playing like hornet sounds on the uh, on the loudspeaker, oh, trying to scare them, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! And then, and then at the end of the film. You can do one of those, like one of my favorite things that movies do, especially like biopics, when it's like at the end they tell you what happens to the character in like the later years with the text. And for ours, it can be like whatever this guy's name is, was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame as the greatest designated hitter of all time. Like obviously he never plays the field, but (laughs) (laughs) he could hit, he could play the field. They tried him in the field, but he made too many errors. <laughs> it was, didn't work out. <laughs> and then, do you have do you have a title for this? I feel like there's a lot of great options. Uh, no, how about Stinger? Stinger. His, Stinger. his nickname is the Stinger. <laughs> Does he wear yeah. sunglasses or eye patches on the field? Oh, Nothing. Just <laughs> just white eyes. <laughs> Just big white eyes, like no, his his corneas are gone. It's just white yeah. eyes. It's terrifying. Uh, is, is there like a like supernatural element? Movie, yeah. Right. Is there a supernatural element? Like, does he like is he like skilled? Because like good like these other senses, does he become like the Spider Man of baseball? I, yeah. I, is he Daredevil or is he just like Ray Charles? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think it's like. It's just like it's more Ray Charles. Like you're just like refining your other, yeah, your yeah. other senses. Um, yeah, so that's one of my ideas. Greg, okay. do you, I'm thinking. Do you have you know what I'm thinking for that movie? Uh, the guy from um, John Tucker Must Die, but bring him back for baseball. Ooh. I've never seen that movie. I was thinking like a like Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> you don't think he's too old for the major leagues? Uh, yeah, well, he could play young, I guess. You know, 
And I just think that he, I could see him being like a blind athlete. Um, like that's a challenge that he would take on. Jeremy Strong. Oh, Jeremy Strong would be interesting. Right. I'm trying to cast heavy hitters in this thing. Yeah. I want to win you an Oscar. So another movie I had along that similar thread was an armless pitcher who makes it to the, the big leagues. <laughs> sort of the same sort of triumph of the human spirit type movie. How, how does he pitch? Like with his mouth? Uh, more like soccer, like, so he would kick the ball up with one foot and then, like, do, like, almost like a wheelbarrow kick into the ball and put some spin on it. I don't know if, I don't know if that one, I don't know if you're going to get that one past the, uh, the development phase. Yeah, I don't think it taps into the horror genre as much as the first one, which could really make the, uh, the first idea you had, like, a unique kind of sports horror that we've that we've not seen before <laughs> yeah i mean the he could lose his arms in a way that's pretty horrifying um you know maybe he was you know doing something and his arms came off i don't know but... he was he was, you know, he was he was practicing uh you know pitching and there was a jugs machine or something that got stuck he reached into the jugs machine oh and it shoots his, his arm out yeah, yeah. <laughs> shot out, and he tried to grab okay, his other arm. Really other arm. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Oh, my one arm's stuck. Let me reach my other arm in." Both get shot off. That's good. And again, it's like pitching is my nature. Pitching is what I do. How can I make this work? And then we get into like, okay, like how do we do this? Uh, you know, are there are there certain things I can do with my bot? Like. You know, you just like, you don't, you know. Yeah. You, so, I don't know. That one's, I like the beast thing idea more, because um, I think it's a little more believable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you, you know what the second movie needs? He needs, like, to have a girlfriend, like a long-term girlfriend, but the girlfriend's dad is, um, like, an army vet who, like, had lost a limb yeah. in, like a, like, a legitimate way. And then, so the girlfriend is in this weird situation where, like, her dad was always like an amputee or whatever, but now her boyfriend just lost both arms. And it's like, now you remind me too much of my dad. It's crazy. Right. Like that would give it like a little like next level of conflict plus a romantic lead in there. You could, yeah. I'm also thinking some kind of movie where you go the other way and somebody has an extra limb, um, like an extra arm or something. Or, I don't, or performance enhancing. Extra finger. Like, uh, Alfonseca used to have six fingers. Um, maybe a guy has like 10 fingers on one hand and none on the other and can, you know, throw, throw all sorts what? of crazy pitches. I don't know. What? <laughs> yeah. There's a guy with 10, 10 fingers on one hand and he's like, I'm going to be the best pitcher of all time. And then all these other people come to him and they say like, oh, like, couldn't you use your 10 fingers on one hand for other like better purposes. And he's like, no, I'm going to throw the greatest knuckleball of all time. Oh, yeah. he's a knuckleballer. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. God, of course. <laughs> the 10 knuckle knuckleball. Oh my God. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's, let's finish up here. Okay. Um, cool. So those have been two good movie ideas. Greg, do you have any more that you want to rattle off a few more minutes or no? Um, no, I'm gonna. I, I have one uh, other one, but it's kind of half baked, so I want to make sure that I have the whole whole plot and the side characters more flushed out uh, before I share. All right, 
I'll share a quick half-baked other one I have. Uh, a cyborg pitcher. Um, and it's like he's the cyborg. It's okay. This there's a there's like a scientist AI uh, guy who's like I'm I'm gonna invent this like AI thing robot cyborg and he like puts this cyborg that's very advanced in this human like skin as a child so he has like the birth certificate of this like he he plants this years ago so this cyborg grows and kind of fits in with like the the you know age of his peers as he grows so people think it's a real person but the ai is so good it's actually a cyborg comes home every night and charges up um and the whole when goal, you need to keep growing the like isn't a machine like you'd have to build a machine that's like one inch taller yeah this he, kid just gonna go from like three feet to six feet overnight no he, it's years so it's like gradual like the guy has a system for it and the whole goal was i'm going to make like the best baseball pitcher ever and uh, and this pitcher just never throws a ball and throws the ball so hard that uh, it's not hittable by humans. So he's, stri- he's throwing like 150 miles an hour, uh, strikes every time, pinpoint, and he's like a sensation. And then maybe the guy who invented him goes a little crazy and he starts coming, you know, starts throwing balls at people and maybe killing them. And then it's like, okay, is this a, what is this guy's deal? Is he a murderer? Uh, you know, I don't know. It's half baked, but like some sort of like some sort of like ro- rogue cyborg pitcher is where I was going with it. I don't like it in that form because it sounds like the pitcher, the, the cyborg, is the protagonist. And I've learned that there are people out there. Uh, Carter's a big proponent of this rule that um, if there's humans and non-humans in a movie, he'll always root for the humans over the non-humans. So you're not getting a, a vote there. And then also with the whole thing, I think. Really? The message of the story is. What about an avatar? Does he root roots for, for the humans. humans. Oh, yeah, he does. Wow. You can't portray your own race. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's committed to the rule, and I respect him for it. So there's there's definitely that problem. But the other thing is that in that movie, I feel like the end synopsis is going to be like, you could create a picture in a factory, but it's not going to have the heart that humans do when they're. He's not going to take that risk to throw a full count curveball in the dirt. Just won't have that heart, mm. you know. Yeah. So then, like, what's the end? What's the end message going to be? Yeah. yeah, you also have to like study, like, you know, his teammates. Like, are they complicit? I think the teammates, or the, maybe the teammates, are like the protagonists, and they're like, something's off with this guy. You Where, like, I mean? in the beginning, they're, like, they love it. Like, he's just striking out yeah. everybody, yeah. and they're, like, they're winning games. And he, in theory, doesn't need any days of rest to pitch, so he can just pitch right. every game. And then the catcher is, like, after three people are dead, they're, like, oh, maybe we need to The catcher has to get surgery on his hand, and, like, because it's yeah. taking such an impact that it's, like, shattering his hand. <laughs> you know in that right. one game and then he goes to get Tommy John, and then they put him in like a, like some kind of uh, facility where they they turn him off. They turn off the AI. You know, it's he's an existential threat to humanity. Or maybe it's you like an that? Inspector Gadget type thing where like he was a pitcher and got in an accident, uh, maybe stung by a lot of bees, perhaps, and 
they inject him with some robot stuff. So it's like a rookie of the year meets Spider-Man meets Inspector Gadget situation where he he gets taken over when he's on the mound by the AI robot stuff, but he's really a man, you know, part man. I don't know. Okay, yeah, if he was part man, I think we can get behind it because then we could we could get a, a good lesson out of that at the yeah. end. Yeah, exactly. Like the man has to, you know, overrule the robot on like, Certain things. I don't know. Yeah. No, I like that. I would, uh, I'd cast, uh, John Mulaney as your cyborg. Okay. <laughs> Wouldn't be who I picked, but. I just feel like he could get that, he could get that real robotic. Yeah. Nature into it. And I would I, like to see him in a that, sports movie. True. I feel like there's no way that John Mulaney looks athletic throwing a baseball. I no was chance. thinking like. You want him to kind of look robotic and just be like, Zoop. I was thinking yeah, like, like, a, like a Bill Skarsgård, maybe. Ooh, okay. he's, he's great. I love him as a villain. He's so good as a villain. Yeah. My last idea was a guy Ooh, that's like, so big, like he plays the whole offensive line. Barbarian. What's that? I, I, I said, like, I also love him as, like, a morally ambiguous, like, almost villain, but not necessarily full villain, like in Barbarian. Or uh, whatever, you know, where he's kind of like, he gives off menacing vibes, but you can root for him. Yeah. Did you guys hear my last idea? No. no what was it? Uh, somebody who's so big that he plays the whole offensive line, and then you can have a lot of receivers. <laughs> you know, there should, be a, there should be a movie about a sumo wrestler, like one of the greatest sumo wrestler of all time. That they that somebody in the NHL convinces to become a goalie, and then they just try to oh. put him in goal, and he becomes like the new like Patrick Law. I love like, that. That has to be it. It's like the merging of cultures too. It's like fish out of water situation. Like, oh, we're you know we're an NHL team, and he's mm-hmm. like, I don't know anything about hockey. Right. Funny. Funny scenes watching him learn to skate. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that'd be a good one. Yeah, they could teach each other, like you said, about their cultures. It'd be like. You know, like, in, in Japan, we don't need to lose our teeth. And they'd be like, oh, my God. And they'd be like, well, in Canada, we, you know, are nice to people. And then they just, like, teach each other. They make this blend of a Japanese-Canadian, like, god goalie. Right. And then he gets into, like, a brawl with the opposing goalie. And it's like, he's a sumo wrestler. Just like, oh, he, oh he's the fight all... scenes would be unbelievable. Yeah, he's also their, like, fight guy. Their, their, uh, their goon, their enforcer. Yeah, exactly. yeah, usually you protect the goalie, but in this movie, the goalie protects everyone else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't know watch, how to cast it. I would watch that movie tomorrow. <laughs> well, I'll work on it. I'll, I'll work on it for you. I'll, get, I'll have ChatGPT write the script because I don't want to cross the picket line. All right, guys. Thank you for doing this. This was a lot of fun. I think we got some, some potential Oscar winners here. Um Netflix, if you're listening to this, we're willing to make these these movies. But after the strike, let's pay Or now. Guys. I mean they, they probably need writers, right? Kevin's so you, Kevin's you hopping the fence. You hopping the fence. You're, just, you're such a scab, bro. You're such a scab. <laughs> I don't know what any of that like, means. You know how like in um when they got scab players to play in the NFL or whatever and the you know, the replacements with Keanu Reeves. What's scab? It'd be yeah, like yeah. the replacements for the Netflix writers. These are the like, quality of movies that would be made during the replacement era, which I kind of <laughs> want to see now. 
<laughs> what if <laughs> there was a a picture that blank? Um, those are basically all of our movies. <laughs> okay, I've had enough of this. I need to go be a responsible human being. But I've truly enjoyed this uh, this time in the Letterbox Lounge. Yeah, I was I was honored honored to be a part of it. Yeah, I need to trim down some of the little big league stuff because I think it was way too much. But uh, thank mm-hmm. you guys for doing this. All right, later, buddy. Later, and, uh, guys. I'll see you in football season. There you go. See ya. <laughs>